0: Welcome to Embrace the Unexpected with your host, Bernadette Butler. In this program, you'll learn how Bernadette and her guests were able to turn what seemed to be a negative into a positive lesson that they can teach others and give hope. Now, here is Bernadette Butler.
1: Good evening. I'm Bernadette Butler, host of uh, Embrace the Unexpected. In life, sometimes, you know, unexpected situations occur and it's how you handle it. I tend to try to run away from it. The tension is too much and other times I try to fix it and most times it's not fixable. I, I never want to go through the tension to the end. I want it over quickly but I have learned In my life that that is when uh, I learned the best lessons was going through the tension. So let's discuss some of this unexpected things that I had learned to embrace. Uh, Sometimes you're born into a tension and that was my life. I was born into tension. Um, my dad, I was a daddy's girl, and he would take me to kindergarten, um, we would uh, take naps. He, he was a, post, a man, he worked for the post office in Chicago. And then one day, my dad wasn't there. I didn't quite understand it, uh, didn't know why he was gone. All I know, he wasn't there to pick me up anymore. Uh, I later found out uh, my mom and dad had gotten a divorce. Then my mother remarried. And that's when the tension began. Uh, This person had a lot of serious problems. He um, had emotional problems, and uh, he was very abusive to my mother um, and to us. And my mother uh, stayed with him. She didn't divorce him uh, for many years later. So she lived in the abuse, and we lived in it with her. Uh, The only uh, sad part, uh, too, about it was, maybe I shouldn't say only, but the other sad component is that when children grow up in an abusive home, With uh, uh, their mother being abused, the mother is upset. She becomes bitter and at times can take that bitterness out on the child. And uh, at that time, the focus was me. I looked like my dad and she was upset with my dad. Um, And so our relationship as I started growing up wasn't uh, good at all. By the time before I was uh, 10 years old, I witnessed uh, the stepfather had uh, raped one of my sisters and I told it and the police came. Nothing was done. There was no laws back then about that. And uh, he was let go. And then unfortunately for me, uh, I was molested by a family member and told, but because I told about what happened with one of my siblings, Uh, my mother was upset with me and I became a liar. And so everybody was trying to pretend like it never happened. So what do you do with all this tension? By the time I graduated from high school, I went to college. Uh, uh, It was a two-year business college and um, I got a good job after that. And then I met my son's uh, dad. And, you know, when you grow up like that, uh, you think, oh, this is the love of my life. But you see, I had wrong thinking. When I grew up in that household like that, you tend to attract people like that you think this is normal. So his behavior towards me, uh, sometimes it was really abrasive, but I thought, oh, that'll go away. So now I've fallen into the pattern. Uh, we dated for a year and a half, and then I was pregnant. Well, I hit my pregnancy from my mother, and The reason for that is that one of my other sisters was pregnant, and my mother uh, made her get an abortion. Well, back then, um, you went into the alleys, or you found somebody to do it. Sometimes women made it out, and they were okay, and sometimes they wasn't. So I wasn't going to let that happen to me. So I hid it as long as I could. Eventually, you know, she found out, and... And then we were married within three months. Uh, then later on, we still living in this house with all this confusion going on. He didn't want to stay there. So we packed up and we moved to California. With uh, By then, I had had my uh, uh, baby. I had Melvin before we left. And... I need to share this part because this is going to go into the autism because I thought this probably was the problem. When I went to the hospital, they sent me home twice. And then the third time I went back, of course, I almost didn't make it to the hospital to have to have my son. My doctor couldn't make it because he got stuck in traffic. So the on-call doctor was there. Uh, They wheeled me into the delivery room, and I was in pain, and, of course, that's normal. And then the doctor said, hey, it will be no more pain. And he put this mask over my face. He said, breathe in. And I didn't understand any of that. And then I thought, I died. Well, then they woke me up and said, oh, you had a boy. And my thoughts were, how do you have a child And you're asleep. Well, the next day they said my son was healthy and he was uh, uh, okay, and the weight and everything. So I thought my son was perfect. I have my perfect baby boy. And with all of that was all the hopes and dreams and uh, everything about, oh, what he's going to be. And and I'm just going to I was loving him to death. I just love my son. So now we're in California. Eventually, my husband, at the time, he got a job, um, and he was in law enforcement. So that uh, left a lot of time with just uh, Melvin and I. And then I noticed that by the time Melvin was two and a half, he wasn't talking. But Melvin was potty trained. He walked. He can help put his clothes on. He learned to tie his shoes. He did all of that. He wasn't saying anything. So I took a, when we went to uh one of his checkups at the pediatrician, I was like, hey, um, he isn't saying anything. And the doctor said, oh, don't worry about this. Uh, this is your first uh, child. Uh, he's not around other children. Uh, the doctor knew that I wasn't from California and we hadn't too long moved there. Uh, been there a couple of years. I still didn't know anybody. And so he said, well, you know, he needs a friend. Why don't you get him a pet? So I shared that with uh, his uh, father and he said, no, we're not having a pet. I said, okay. And Melvin still wasn't saying anything. So I said, maybe he do need to be around other children. So by then, Melvin is uh, three years old, and I decided to uh, put him into preschool at this park, not far from the apartment complex where we stayed at signed him up and everything I was so excited for my job and uh, got a backpack and lunch box and off to school he went and every day I would pick Melvin up and Melvin wasn't upset or anything he still wasn't saying anything nothing verbal the only thing Melvin would do was ah, and I mean, he could do that for 20 to 30 minutes. I didn't think nothing of it. I said, well, maybe one day he'll be a singer. That's (laughs) where where my uh, mindset was at. And as this uh, situation continued, um, I said, well, that'll go away with him being around the children Well, the third week that Melvin was in preschool, the teacher met me at the door. And when she met me at the door, she said, "Uh, I would like to talk to you. I said, okay. So she set me aside from the other parents and she began to tell me these things that she noticed about Melvin. He doesn't communicate with other children. He goes off and plays by himself. He won't look at at the teacher and wasn't looking at the kids. And so she said, I think he has autism. I said, autism? What is autism? And uh, she tried her best to explain it to me. I still didn't understand it. So I came home and I told his dad when he came home from work, teacher says he has autism. He's like, what is that? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to go to the library and look it up. So I go to the library, tell the lady, and she says to me, how old are you? And I said, 23. You wouldn't have any child that has autism. That's usually to women who have children older in life. I said, well, that's what they told me. So whatever books you have, let me have it. So they, she gave me a stack of books and, um, I took them back to the apartment, read through them. And man, did that devastate me. I started crying. I was like, there's no hope. Uh, they were saying regression and, and everything. And, um, I just didn't know what was going on. And that's when I said, I have to find someone to help. So I start looking around and different doctors. And then I was giving um, a reference to one of the centers that help out. And I went to them, started talking to them. And they started sending Melvin and I to other doctors that tested Melvin. And they were saying all kinds of things and trying to explain the autism to me. And I still didn't quite uh, get the gist of it. He, he was a beautiful uh, uh, little boy. And he understood when I called his name, he came. Um, if I asked him to put something down, he did it. So when they were saying uh, he doesn't process well, I, I, that was confusing to me because he was processing what I was saying to him. Uh, for, ex, uh, for example, uh, we had to take Melvin's sister to work one morning and uh, had to go across these train tracks. And going across the train tracks had no arms back in the day. And I drove a 1964 Malibu Chevy. Melvin, and I love that old car. And so we drop her off and she said, remember, uh, there's no arms. So make sure you watch for the trains. So as we was going back, I heard the train, didn't see the train, and then all of a sudden I saw the train, and I put my foot on the brakes real fast, and and there were no uh, seatbelt rules in that in those days, so Melvin rolled under the console, uh, and and there wouldn't and he 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 came out, he wasn't hurt. Uh, a looks can uh, tell you a million things. And Melvin looked at me like, are you crazy? (laughs) And I said, mommy, sorry that I stopped here. Sit by mommy. And He looked at me "Uh, mm -mm." and he sat in the back of the car. And uh, I will tell you, Melvin didn't uh, sit in the front with me until he was 14 years old. (laughs) I know he was saying that woman can't drive. So when they was telling me that Melvin cannot process this information, I couldn't information around him, I couldn't understand him that any of that because he can process that. He knew I was a bad driver he, and he knew that he needed to sit in the back of the uh, uh car in the back seat and not sit up front with me. So it, it it took uh a while for me to uh for that to sink in that Melvin had had that um, problem. So in looking up uh, autism, back then, uh, Melvin was called pervasive disorder. Uh, he had a, uh, they said, some form of behavioral because he was hyper, uh, developmentally delayed, uh, they called him mentally retarded. I didn't understand that. They said, well, he can't get the services. So when in the 1970s and 1980s, uh, it was one out of 2,000 kids. Now is one out of 150 kids. There are 200,000 cases of children per year. Uh, diagnosed with autism this is an important subject and the reason why I'm sharing these stories is because I want the parents who have children my son is 43 now I want you to know there is hope it takes time and endurance and I'll tell you to uh, never to never get up give up and when I share these stories you will know why and then I'll share how also I had to uh, I had to cling to my faith. This was a test to my faith in God. Uh, pretty soon we're coming up on a break, uh, and uh, when we come back, uh, I'll pick up where we left off. And hopefully your listening is interesting. And if you have anyone who have children with autism. You know, tell them about the show. Embrace uh, the unexpected. And we'll be back soon.
0: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com com. If your organization is looking for a dynamic speaker who presents life issues in a down-to-earth fashion, contact Bernadette Butler, author of Living with Autism. At her website, bbutlertheauthor.com, Bernadette's life experiences and love of God will give a lift and hope to all who hear her. While on her site, you can find out about her books, videos, words of praise, joy and love, and many more resources. Visit Bernadette's site today at bbutlertheauthor.com. In her recent release, Living with Autism, God, Me, and Melvin, from Page Publishing, Author Bernadette Butler creates an autobiographical account of the joys and challenges of raising a child with a developmental disorder, autism, and the profound strength she derived from her faith throughout the journey. From the beginnings to changes in her son's behavior, silence, diagnosis, and the outcome overall. Get your copy of Bernadette's story at Amazon.com or directly from her website at bbutlertheauthor.com. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to Embrace the Unexpected with Bernadette Butler. If you'd like to reach the show, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or To reach Bernadette Butler directly, send her a message at her website, bbutlertheauthor.com. Now back to Embrace the Unexpected.
1: Well, welcome back. So I was sharing with you about uh, trying to understand this autism and what to do with my son. In the meantime, I was really getting upset because uh, no one had any hope, uh, really. Everything was just negative. But now that I look back on it, it was the times. They really didn't know what autism was. I realized that now they didn't know exactly what uh, What do you do with children like this? First, they were talking about maybe it was uh, the immunization shots. Uh, they talked about Uh, the number of children that had autism born to men that came back from Vietnam. So you know, you don't know. And uh, mostly this autism affect more uh, males than it do females. So I'm by myself doing this all because now his dad is like checking out. He's like, oh, no, something is wrong here. It's not my fault. What did you do? And then my in-laws, that didn't come from my family. Our family don't have that problem. That must be your family. Now I had that. And then I had the burden of trying to find help for uh, uh, our son, and then the emotional part—me. Nobody cared about how I was feeling, and the only person that I could to talk to was Jesus. I didn't have any uh, that he was always my go-to. He was—he was there for me to help me through that mess when I was growing up, and. I had to rely on him now more than ever. And that was my lesson, to rely on him. And I was getting mad with him. I was like, why did you do this to me? I've had enough problems in my life. I, I, I've been hurt enough. Why are you doing this to me? And I would cry and roll all over the floor. And then I felt like he was standing over me and saying, are you done yet? And then I will, I will always have another idea. So when I stopped crying, I drove to the store. I brought all kinds of books and blogs and I said, I'm gonna teach my son myself. So I set up the kitchen like a classroom and they kept saying he won't be able to learn. Well, I wanted to see for myself. Well, he learned. He learned how to say his ABCs. He could count to 100. He colored. uh, He he repeated the words back to me. Now he's starting to get a little verbal. And then we went to visit this one doctor, and he was really negative. He said, uh, well... Well, how old is he now? Well, by then he was four and a half. Oh yeah, you won't be able to potty train him. I said he's already using the bathroom. He he's been potty trained since he was two. Oh, he's gonna regress. He he'll be back in diapers. Um, he said uh, he won't be able to tie his shoe, put his clothes on. He's already doing that. Oh, he'll regress. He won't do that anymore. That man was making me so frustrated. I was getting really mad at him. And then I I just told him, I said, let me tell you something. The day you become God, you and I can have a conversation. And then I took my son and walked out of there. And I worked with Melvin at home. And one thing, and I know this thought, was from the Lord because I wouldn't have never thought of this I taped all the sessions that Melvin and I did at that kitchen table it was recorded I recorded it I brought a tape recorder and I recorded it and it, it became very valuable to me later on that tape record because that's what took Melvin to the next level When Melvin was five, I said, okay, it's time for him to go to kindergarten. And I enrolled him in school. And, of course, the school wasn't ready for him because they didn't have programs, but I didn't care. My son is going to school. And so uh, the principal said, well, we don't have classes for that. I said, well, he's going to school. I pay taxes, and my son is going to school. So Melvin went to kindergarten. Well, of course, Melvin wasn't talking with the kids and stuff a little bit. He'd go off to himself. And uh, that frustrated the teacher and that frustrated the principal. So when first grade came, uh, they told me, well, you know, it didn't work out for him for kindergarten. Oh, why don't you try to find something else? I said, no, he's going to stay in school and he's going to the first grade. You can't put him out. And so uh, then they let Melvin go into first grade. That's when I learned about IEPs, Individualized Educational Programs. This is where the teacher and staff come together with the school psychologists and decide what type of program within the school best fit the child. And that's when I learned they had started documenting my son. Because they didn't have programs, what their intentions was to document him out of their school and put him somewhere else. Well, I didn't have any uh, representation. It was just me at the time. And of course, I was getting upset. So I just said to myself, so if they're going to document my son, I'm going to document them. So Melvin would get to school and um, he rode the bus and then. I would drive to the school, park my car down the street, and by then, I I was pregnant when Melvin was five with his uh, sister, and I would go and sneak up and peek in the classroom. I was doing this every day. And then one day, (laughs) I come around there, and the teacher had put construction paper up. (laughs) (laughs) And here come the principal. And she told me, you can't come into my office. So I went in the office and she told me what I couldn't do. You have to sign in. I said, no problem. I'll do that. And uh, put on a badge. So I did. And she uh, told me, listen, your son cannot do the work in there. He doesn't know his ABCs. He doesn't even know what a cat and a dog when they show the pictures and now you have to remember, audience, this is in the 1970s, okay, uh, the, how the curriculum was. ABC, uh, different animals, telling times, that's the way things were then. And so I told her he can do that, and she was insisting he can't. Well, one day when I went up to the school and signed in, I went in the classroom. I was standing in the back of the classroom. And the teacher asked uh, my son, uh, what is this letter? Now, she was pointing at the letter B. Uh, he said it was the letter D, and he was giggling. He said D. <laughs> now, mind you, he didn't know I was standing in the back of the room. And so this went on for a while. And then she said, well, what time is it? And he uh said uh, the wrong time, of course. So when I walked up to the desk and he was sitting there and then he looked up and saw me, oh, you should, <laughs> I said, now let's start over. And I asked the teacher to begin again. Of course, he did everything, A, B, C, D, told the time right down to the second. So what is the lesson in that? If the doctors are telling me that Melvin can't process any information, He processed the fact that he knew that this teacher was uncomfortable with him and did not know how to help him. So whatever she expected of him was nothing, and that's exactly what he gave her. He gave her nothing. See, I knew he could do all of it because he did it at home. I tape-recorded him. So they called an IEP, another IEP meeting. This time, for sure, they tried to put him out. Well, I couldn't make it that day, so I sent his dad and I told him, you take these recordings and you play these recordings. His dad had no idea that I was recording sessions with uh, our son because he had checked out. He couldn't handle the fact that his son had autism. I said, play the recordings at the IEP meeting. Well, when he came home, he was... (gasps) I played the recordings. They played it over and over and over again. They argued with each other. The teacher was arguing with the psychologist and the psychologist was back and forth with them until the psychologist overruled the teachers and the principal and said, he is capable of learning. There's no way that this mother made him say these things on his own. He couldn't have done it. And so... They enrolled Melvin in another school, but not in the one that they thought they was going to send him to. They paid for a private school in Hermosa Beach, California. I'll never forget that. And this psychologist knew a doctor that was uh, started a school for children who had autism because he's he wanted to learn what would work. Along with uh, children that had developmental delay and all of that. So Melvin got to go there. And he flourished. Because the first thing that his teacher did was to teach him sign language. She said, I will communicate with him. And his language will grow. He will talk. That's what she told me. And his language did grow. And he did talk. He was able to express himself. Now, did he enjoy talking or talk, talk, talk all the time? No, but he can express himself. He can say if there was something that he liked or didn't like. All of this. And, and, and I was ecstatic because to go from not saying much of anything to all, now I can have a conversation, that was like gold to me. I, I give you uh, a example before all of that happened when I was working with Melvin at home I had um, uh, brought him some toys uh, and there was this cartoon he liked and uh, and I said if I can find that toy to that cartoon well I ended up finding it I'm trying to uh, the name of the uh cartoon uh, was uh, oh the Transformers he remembered the cartoon every word in it and he played with those toys just like it I ended up buying 10 of them I was ecstatic and that's how it was when Melvin and that teacher when she taught him that sign language that led into a conversation And as I said, Melvin flourished there. Uh, They were nice. They allowed me to uh, volunteer. And they weren't afraid of me. They didn't mind me asking uh, questions. And and I told you I uh, was pregnant. And one of the things they, uh, remember that doctor saying he'll harm the baby. When I had, uh, his sister, uh, that was none of that. He loved her. Matter of fact, he was very protective of her. He didn't want anyone, uh, touching her, uh, or taking her. He would say, where are you going with my sister? Uh, he taught her how to wink her eye. Uh, one day was at the restaurant and this man that was across with his family, uh, when we were leaving after we finished eating, he was laughing. He said, I want you to know uh, that your little baby girl winked at me the whole time that we was having dinner. And he he was laughing. And and I (laughs) said, I said, her brother taught her how to wink. And I never had a problem. There was no problem. They played together. He played with his sister. And then, I was pregnant again, and we couldn't stay in that apartment. We needed bigger space, so we ended up moving uh, 65 miles outside of the Los Angeles area to a small town. And uh, that's when the bigger challenge came for me. Uh, I thought I had problems in L.A. County. I didn't, not compared to the problems that I end up having. Having um, in this area where we moved at, Uh, because of the number of uh, students, it was small. Uh, It was an outlying area. They were building new homes. Uh, People were migrating uh, to the area, and I didn't know that uh, they didn't have any uh, programs and they wasn't setting up for any. Uh, different type of programs uh, for the different needs of children uh, that had uh, autism. In the meantime, the relationship with the in-laws still wasn't good because they were calling and saying to me, you know, I'm going to take him away from you. Uh, he's like that because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. I was still going through all that silliness. And then I was also watching how his uh, father uh, uh, got more and more distance uh, from him and he wasn't... Uh, trying to uh, do anything with him. He didn't play with him. He didn't talk to him. He wasn't doing anything with him. And um, Melvin wanted to do things with his dad. His, it, it was just not in his dad. He just couldn't accept it. And I think that's some of the things that uh, we don't talk about that n- needs support to parents, uh, both male and female. Uh, we need to talk about these things because that's like another added burden to something that you're trying to f- resolve. And realizing you can't resolve autism, you just have you're just trying to find a way to make it better. And wanting your child to get to the best potential that they can get to. And that was my goal. And because I didn't have the support from uh, his father, uh, my reliance on God increased. Now I relied on him because I was asking him for stuff. Uh, Later on, he started teaching me to uh, have a personal relationship with him (laughs) through this whole thing. And uh, I did take Melvin to church. And when I took Melvin to church, there wasn't uh, people, you know, uh, at the time they was kind of not taking their children around. And I said to myself, this is my child. Where I go, he goes me, him, and now his sister, and um, if anybody didn't like it, too bad, (laughs) because I didn't care, and if you said too much, then we was going to have a problem. Uh, We're coming up on another break, and then I'll share with you the challenges that I had in uh, the other school district, and uh, that'll teach parents perseverance, you know, never give up, and Where there is one mean person, there's four uh, people who are willing to help you. They're out there. Uh, And I had to learn how to think outside the box. So we're getting ready to take a break. And uh, we're back. We'll be back in a little bit.
0: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If your organization is looking for a dynamic speaker who presents life issues in a down-to-earth fashion, contact Bernadette Butler, author of Living with Autism. At her website, bbutlertheauthor.com. Bernadette's life experiences and love of God will give a lift and hope to all who hear her. While on her site, you can find out about her books, videos, words of praise, joy and love and many more resources. Visit Bernadette's site today at bbutlertheauthor.com. In her recent release, Living with Autism, God, Me and Melvin from Page Publishing, author Bernadette Butler creates an autobiographical account of the joys and challenges of raising a child with a developmental disorder autism and the profound strength she derived from her faith throughout the journey, from the beginnings to changes in her son's behavior, silence, diagnosis, and the outcome overall. Get your copy of Bernadette's story at amazon.com or directly from her website at bbutlertheauthor.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Embrace the Unexpected with Bernadette Butler. If you'd like to reach the show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or... To reach Bernadette Butler directly, send her a message at her website, bbutlertheauthor.com. Now back to Embrace the Unexpected.
1: Well, welcome back. And uh, where I left off is when I told you that we moved 65 miles outside of Los Angeles. Now, uh, when I enrolled him into that uh, school district, um, let's see... he was between ten and e- uh eleven years old and um, he was in the middle school, so I was expecting him to be able to integrate into the classroom because the school that he came from in hermosa uh, Beach i mean he he was in a regular classroom uh they did not exclude him, and that's why he flourished, because he was getting that socialization, the communication increasing. And then I saw the classroom he was in at this new school district, and what they had was everyone with every disorder was in all in one classroom. I, I couldn't understand how could the teacher meet the needs with so many different uh, uh, challenging abilities in that classroom. They had uh, autism. They had Down syndrome. They had mentally retarded. They had wheelchair-bound uh, abil- They had everybody in this classroom, and they had one a And I asked her, why is everybody in this classroom? She said that that's the way that they have it. I said, do they integrate and go, the the kids that can to go into the regular classroom? No. And so I fought for Melvin to do that. Um, Unfortunately, that was a battle and a half because they weren't having it. So I went to the school board meeting. And I said I what I wanted my son to do because they had denied him at the IEP meeting. They said he couldn't do it. And I said he could. And at the school board meeting, I was told by a board member, oh, he'll never be nothing. So why are you trying to get him into a regular classroom? He doesn't belong there. Well, that made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. So I said, okay, now what am I to do? Well, I had befriended a parent. I love her. (laughs) Her name was Sherry. And I'm telling you, uh, she came alongside of me. I mean, the Lord just placed this lady and she said, you're not going to give up. She, her son, uh, did not have any type of disability. She started encouraging me. She said, you, you start writing letters to your representative. So mm-hmm. I started writing letters to my representative. And I started writing letters to the state board and, uh, telling them what was going on. And then I got a phone call. And then they said, we need you to document. And I started documenting. And then uh, at that time, I met, uh, well, Melvin, uh, found a pediatrician, and he was the nicest man, and that was his specialty, with special needs kids. And he said, you have to push. He said, I know that district. You must push. You have to do it, Bernadette. I said, I don't know. He said, I, I need you to do that to open up the doors for the other parents. He said, you have to push. He said, I, I talk to them people, they frustrate me. So one day, uh, Melvin didn't come home on time. And I was like, where is he at? So I called uh, the dispatch and they said, oh, he wasn't on the bus? I said, no, he's not home. And they started looking for him. Well. Unbeknownst to me they had sent my son to another a county to another school district outside of the county where we lived at without my permission. There was no IEP meeting, no one told me anything. So when I found where he was at, I went down to the school and the and the office said, Well, he's in that trailer back in the back. And the trailer was far away from the school. I walked through mud, it had rain, and finally got in there, and I looked in there, and I said, what is going on here? It, man, we he was sitting in the classroom, and the kids that was in that classroom had on ankle bracelets, all these guys. I took him out of that classroom and brought him home. Well, the district called me and said, you know, if you don't, Send him back to school. We're going to report you. With, then start reporting me. That's what I told them. I said, because you're going to have to shoot me before I send my child back to that classroom. And I didn't. They said, you have to call an emergency IEP meeting. So I said, I'm calling one now. I want one now. Of course, they overruled me. They said that's what he needs. So I said, I challenge. I want a hearing. So a hearing was set up. The district's uh, a lawyer came to represent the district, and I represented my son. I prayed before I left that house. They had their, they set their position, and I set mine. When the hearing officer uh, rested and went in the back, and whenever he went to make his decision, he came back out. And he said, I rule in the favor of the parents. You bring that child right back into this into the school district and you will integrate him into the classroom. Well, uh, when I did that, I uh, had a doctor's appointment with Melvin's doctor. I told him everything. Two weeks later, I start getting these phone calls from other parents Oh, could you come to my IEP meeting with me? And I was like, what? How did you get that integration for your son to go to be integrated into a regular classroom? So I told him, well, could you come with me? So I went with one parent, then another parent, then another parent. That became my job. I ended up with a suitcase, uh, wearing a suit, dropping my son off, and going to other, uh, other parents' IEP meetings. Why did I do that? Because other people helped me. So it was for me to help other people. So I went. The district did not like that. Uh, they ended up trying to find ways to get rid of me. And they couldn't get rid of Melvin, but they wanted some parents to file complaints saying that she's causing a problem. But the parents that I was helping wasn't going to do that. And by then I had a baby and uh, and she would come with me, too. I had her in the carrier carrier and off we went. Uh, She know more about these stories than that. She grew up in this. And his other sister then was um, uh, in school and um, so they decided well, you can't do that. And that's when the state uh, board of education said she can do that. And so I uh, They couldn't stop me, so I was back helping the parents again, and this went on for quite a while, and by then, his little sister, uh, the baby, is in kindergarten, so that was my life, trying to find help for Melvin, uh, getting him integrated in the classroom. Now, I got two other, uh, he has two sisters, and so I volunteer in everybody's room, and, and that's the way it was. And then at home, my home life uh, with Melvin and the girls, uh, they had their little sibling things uh, going on. And I would uh, say, uh, who left this bathroom like that? And I used to think it was Melvin. And he told me one day, that's not me, that's those girls. Those girls are doing that. And that went on uh for a, a while uh, he didn't like the baby girl cuz he said she told his business. <laughs> so home life and sibling life uh there was no difference it's like any other kid and I I um when Melvin did something that he shouldn't have done he he got punished just like the uh, other girls uh got punished. So I, I, I never made a difference with Melvin. I saw the possibilities in Melvin. I was able to see that where others could not see that. And Melvin ended up graduating from high school with a diploma. He took the state test and he passed it. Were they supporting me in that? Oh, no, they was not. Uh, they didn't like any of that. And by then, with all that involvement in in uh, the community, uh, they came and asked me to run for school board because they needed a parent who had a special need child on the board so uh, that they their kids could start getting the help uh, that they need. Because one thing about uh, that school district and I hope that they don't do that now when the budget needed balance they would balance the budget by taking the money from the special ed uh, budget and then that would cut back on what the teachers needed so what the parents and I did was start joining PTA we joined school Site council and start speaking up for our children to have that money in their classrooms too and I encourage parents today, you still do that. Uh, Don't turn any of your children over to the system. You stay involved uh, with them, uh, whether they have a special need or not. They need you to advocate for them, just like Melvin needed me to advocate for him. You need to advocate for your child. No one knows your child better than you. Uh, if you just go by what the doctor says, that child lives with you. Melvin graduated. And, in, and, and a year after, he had a job. And then one day, he told me, I'm a man and I need my own space. And guess what? I had to find a place for him. And he's been at that place for 23 years now. I call them his other parents. It's a beautiful home. Mel- Melvin go camping. He, he skis. Uh, he bowls. Uh, he goes to concerts. He has a life. And I want to tell the parents out there, he has a life. So I want to leave one thing with you. Never give up. Seek help. Don't refuse it. Don't be embarrassed if they have a meltdown in public, if somebody don't like it too bad. And, and remember, all those stories that I told you came from tension. And sometimes tension is a good thing. Embrace it, because that's where you learn your best lessons from. And I want to leave you with this now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory. That was him and his power, God working through me to help my son. I thank you for listening. And next week, we will have Boys to Men, uh, not the R&B Boys to Men, Well, organization is by uh, Chris Scott. He's uh, a former NFL player and his lovely wife, Deborah. And you probably, how does that tie into autism? Well, if you tune in uh, next uh, Friday, you'll find out. Uh, thank you for listening, and I hope that you come back next Friday.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Embrace the Unexpected. Be sure to join your host, Bernadette Butler, for another episode next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great weekend.